You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated and time-consuming fast. Now you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, Vanta. Vanta's leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews. Watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber. Legal action against Star Blizzard's FSB operators. A critical Bluetooth vulnerability has been discovered. How the GRU faked celebrity videos in its doppelganger campaign. The persistence of Log4J vulnerabilities. Lack of encryption as a contributor to data loss. Supply chain breaches plague the energy sector. Our guest is Alan Liska, creator of a new comic book featuring the adventures of Johnny Dollar, a hard-nosed cyber insurance investigator. And Russian activists make clever use of QR codes. It's Friday, December 8th, 2023. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is your CyberWire Intel Briefing. The Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance has issued a comprehensive cybersecurity advisory about a sophisticated spear phishing campaign run by a Russian FSB operation named Star Blizzard, known by various aliases like Seaborgium and Callisto Group. Star Blizzard is considered to be part of the FSB's Center 18. The advisory highlights Star Blizzard's tactics which include targeting personal email addresses for their perceived weaker security compared to organizational ones. The emails start with innocuous content tailored to the recipient's interests and gradually build trust before directing the target to an FSB-controlled server that mimics a legitimate service where credentials are harvested. Active since 2019, Star Blizzard primarily focuses on the UK and the US, 
alongside other NATO countries and nations close to Russia. The group's interests lie in academia, defense, governmental organizations, NGOs, think tanks, and politicians engaging in hack-and-leak operations aimed at discrediting specific targets. The operation is also believed to be involved in disrupting investigations into Russian war crimes in Ukraine. The U.S. State Department responding to these threats has offered up to $10 million for information leading to the identification or location of individuals engaged in malicious activities against U.S. critical infrastructure, particularly those directed by a foreign government. This includes FSB personnel recently indicted by a federal grand jury in San Francisco for hacking into networks in the U.S., U.K., NATO countries, and Ukraine. The indicted individuals, Ruslan Alexandrovich Peratatyo and Andrei Stanislovich Koronets, face significant prison sentences if convicted, although they are currently out of reach. Additionally, the U.S. Department of the Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control has sanctioned these men, requiring all their properties in the U.S. or controlled by U.S. persons to be blocked and reported. This action, coordinated with U.K. partners, prohibits all dealings involving the property of these sanctioned individuals by U.S. persons or within the U.S. Despite these measures, the Russian embassy in London has dismissed the advisory, calling it a poorly staged drama. A critical Bluetooth vulnerability has been discovered by Mark Newlin of SkySafe, affecting macOS, iOS, Android, and Linux devices. It allows attackers to remotely control devices by emulating a Bluetooth keyboard connection. The flaw, present in the Bluetooth protocol's implementation, facilitates unauthorized pairing without user consent. The exploit enables attackers to perform actions like installing apps or executing commands, depending on the device's platform. It remained undetected due to its simplicity and affects devices differently. For instance, Android devices are vulnerable when Bluetooth is enabled. Newlin, who plans to release exploit scripts soon, has informed major tech companies and the Bluetooth Special Interest Group most affected devices have patches, but some, including Apple's, remain vulnerable. This vulnerability underscores the need for robust cross-platform security measures in widely used protocols like Bluetooth. The Russian GRU's doppelganger campaign manipulated the Cameo video service to produce content falsely portraying Ukrainian President Zelensky as a corrupt drug addict. Cameo allows users to commission personalized videos from celebrities, which the GRU exploited to create and distribute misleading messages. These videos were addressed to a Vladimir, subtly hinting at Russian President Putin, and were later edited with emojis, media logos, and circulated on social media to reinforce false claims about Zelensky's alleged substance abuse issues. Microsoft highlighted this operation to illustrate that Russian influence efforts persist beyond the death of Yevgeny Prigozhin, a key figure in Russian propaganda who owned the Wagner Group and the Internet Research Agency. This indicates Russia's continued capability in executing sophisticated and wide-reaching malign influence operations, showcasing the resilience and adaptability of their propaganda and disinformation strategies. A report from Veracode reveals concerning trends in application security. 
38% of applications are using vulnerable versions of Log4j, with nearly 3% still susceptible to Log4Shell vulnerabilities. Alarmingly, 32% of applications employ Log4j version 1.2, an end-of-life version since 2015, which no longer receives updates or patches. The core issue is not developers' skill set, but a combination of insufficient information and resources, including time and staffing. This scarcity significantly delays vulnerability fixes, up to 13.7 times longer to address half of them. Additionally, developers lacking context about how a vulnerable library affects their application can take over seven months to resolve 50% of their vulnerability backlog. Fortanix has published the results of a study conducted by Enterprise Strategy Group looking at encryption and key management. The primary finding is that the lack of encryption significantly contributes to sensitive data loss despite high confidence in cryptographic capabilities. Currently, on average, 51% of an organization's sensitive data is stored in the cloud, projected to increase to 68% in two years. Notably, 36% of respondents currently store over 60% of their sensitive data on public cloud services, a figure expected to rise to 68% within 24 months. Surprisingly, 4% of organizations store all their sensitive data in the cloud, a number anticipated to more than triple to 13% in the same time frame. A study by Security Scorecard reveals that 90% of the world's 48 largest energy companies experienced a supply chain data breach in the last year. This analysis covered the cybersecurity posture of major coal, oil, natural gas, and electricity companies in the U.S., U.K., France, Germany, Italy, and their suppliers, spanning over 21,000 domains. In the last 90 days, 264 breach incidents were identified linked to third-party compromises. The U.S. fared the worst, with all top 10 energy companies suffering third-party breaches, while U.K. firms had the highest average security rating, despite only 4% of over 2,000 third-party vendors experiencing breaches, these incidents significantly impacted their clients. The report also notes the prevalence of fourth-party breaches, with all U.S. and U.K. companies affected in the past year, and 92% of global energy firms exposed to such risks. This growing concern for supplier breaches is emphasized by new SEC breach reporting guidelines, recognizing supplier risk as a material business risk. The report suggests that proactive and systematic risk management strategies are essential to prevent the increasing trend of supply chain attacks. Coming up after the break, my conversation with Alan Liska, creator of a new comic book featuring the adventures of Johnny Dollar, a hard-nosed cyber insurance investigator. Stick around. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. 
Designed by Identity Architects for Identity Architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard, and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. Alan Liska is a well-known and respected cybersecurity researcher. He's also a fan of both comic books and classic radio serials, and combining all of those interests led him to the creation of a new comic book titled Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. I grew up in the D.C. area, and every Sunday night, our local NPR station have has a thing that they've had for decades now called the Big Radio Broadcast, where they replay old radio serials. And yes. my favorite. Oh, you're familiar? Okay. Oh, I, oh, oh, yes. I, 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 you know, if you hadn't brought that up, I was going to bring it up myself. I, I too was a regular listener of that show. My favorite of all of the radio serials was Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Um, and you know, for people who don't know, Johnny, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar is a freelance cyber insurance investigator, and his tagline is "the man with the action-packed expense account." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the the original Johnny Dollar had nothing to do with cyber because the original back when the original Johnny Dollar ran, there was no cyber. But I, I don't know if. Uh, if like you, I, I was both uh, intrigued, excited, and also a little confused about the notion of an insurance investigator with an action-packed expense account. Right. When I was a teenager, I had no idea what an expense account is. Now I'm painfully familiar with the concept. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, the funny thing is, as I kind of grew and matured in my security career, I met other people who loved Johnny Dollar as well. And the the sort of the tagline in particular, the action-packed expense account, became a running joke among a lot of especially incident responders because, yeah, you spend your life on the road going from incident to incident, much like Johnny Dollar, not nearly as exciting most of the time, but, um, but still, it's a kind of a fun tagline. Yeah. So what led you to the update here of uh, turning Johnny Dollar to cybersecurity? What I found out was that Johnny Dollar is in the public domain. He'd make a really good comic book character, but I only know about fighting ransomware. And then I'm like, well, yeah, that's what he would be doing now, right? You know, I mean, back then he was fighting gangsters and corrupt bankers and so on. Well, the modern equivalent of that are these ransomware groups. And uh, so why not turn it into a cyber insurance investigator? Um, and I kind of threw the idea out on uh, Twitter 
And a bunch of people were like, oh, yeah, I definitely would back that. And so we, we started a Kickstarter. And so you successfully raise uh, your goal. In fact, you exceeded your goal. You, you got like three times the amount that you had set out to do. What, what were some of the challenges here of uh, updating Johnny Dollar for the modern age? So there's two separate challenges. There's, as you say, updating him for the modern age, but keeping the, the core of the character the same, right? And that's a challenge because you could go with a, a man out of time theme where he kind of looks like a bit of a buffoon, you know, think Inspector Gadget or something where, mm. you, you know, it's really the niece that is actually the brains behind everything. But I didn't want that because Johnny Dollar's always been competent. I wanted him to continue to be competent. Um, and so writing him so that he has the feel of the 50s character but, you know, understands technology, understands what's going on and, and, and still keeps that that sort of cutting edge for him. And, and then, of course, the other challenge is most incident response cases don't involve fistfights or Johnny getting bonked on the head or gunfights or anything like that. <laughs> so there's some embellishment that has to go on here in order for this to be uh, an effective comic book medium, because him sitting at a computer typing uh, for two weeks straight while he's in the middle of an incident response is not going to be a good comic book. Right. And then there's the challenge itself of putting together the comic book. And that's a whole other separate set of challenges as somebody who's never done it before. Yeah. Well, uh, give us some insight on, on that. Who did you uh, bring in as your collaborators here? So I found some really great artists. Uh, Mark Oliver, who's based out of Brazil, did a lot of the uh, drawings. And then I got Sean Decker, who um, uh, did the cover work for me and really captured the noir feel of of Johnny Dollar um, in the cover. And then we found this amazing letterer, Seda, who has done uh, lettering for Marvel and DC and all of these great comic books that I absolutely love. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's fantastic. Um, but then I had to find an editor as well uh, because I'd never written a comic book script. So I wrote the script and then I bought in um, a comic book editor to come in and edit everything to make sure that it actually flowed. And even then, we ran into some problems where I tended to be too wordy, and we had to like narrow it down so it would fit into the panels. Um, and then, you know, understanding the way action has to flow in a comic, you know, the typical new comic book writer mistakes of, you know, thinking of it like a television show where, uh, you know, Johnny does this, this, and this. Well, he can't do all that in the same panel, right? It, it has to be separate panels, but you don't want 12 panels on a page because then it becomes unreadable. So it's a lot of work, and I really appreciate everybody who collaborated on this project kind of holding my hand and walking me through and telling me what worked and didn't work and, and making and improving a better, you know, a better script and then a better book. Can you give us a, a little bit of a preview here, a tease us of the kinds of things that uh, Johnny Dollar finds himself up against? Yeah. So actually, we have a four-story arc planned. The first uh, first story, he goes to uh, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, um, which is where my parents are from, to deal with a ransomware attack at a steel mill and uh, deal with an insider threat. So the ransomware actor is kind of bribing somebody. And it's more of a whodunit. 
as he has to figure out who the insider is as part of it. Um, in the meantime, he meets up with uh, some Russian gangsters. Uh, and if you're thinking that's weird in the middle of Johnstown, read the book and you'll understand it. <laughs> and uh, so there's some fighting that goes on and, and so on. The, the next issue, the one that we're working on now, in fact, we're almost finished with it, uh, he flies to Milan, Italy, uh, with a ransomware attack against a water plant there. Um, and now Johnny's really angered the ransomware actors, and so they actually hire a hitman to come after him. And so Johnny has to uh, fight with a hitman as well as stop the ransomware actors from poisoning the water supply in Milan. So that's much more adventure-packed than the the first issue. And uh, I... I uh, fellow Johnny Dollar fan and cybersecurity person, uh, Dr. And Julie Shear, who I actually met during one of the Share the Mic in Cyber events. Uh, she took the lead on writing that issue. Stays true to the character, but you get a very different story, which I really love. And I want to be very clear. Johnny Dollar is not me. It's not based on me, except there's one fight scene where Johnny uses a wine bottle to attack a... Uh, one of the people coming after him. And I'm like, okay, that part could be me, but the uh, the, the rest of it's very much not. <laughs> it would be a very fine vintage of wine. Or perhaps he he would use the cheaper stuff to, because uh, it's more disposable. <laughs> right, you always use the cheap bottle to take out the bad guys. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, uh, congratulations, Alan. Like I say, this is uh, a real joy here. Who's your target audience? Who Who do you hope this finds? It's actually really funny because that's a question that people ask new comic book artists and, and everybody else apparently says, oh, well, you know, people who love comic books, my target audience is cybersecurity professionals and people who love Johnny Dollar. So two very niche markets, but are apparently completely underserved by the uh, comic book community. So I'm hoping that we can make some inroads. And, and especially for people who uh, really love the, the original Johnny Dollar, I hope that they see that we really did our best to stay true to the character while updating him for a uh, cybersecurity age. That's Alan Liska, creator of Green Archer Comics, and yours truly, Johnny Dollar. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-plus year partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. And finally, the record reports that Russian opposition activists affiliated with imprisoned leader Alexei Navalny have initiated an anti-Putin campaign using QR codes on billboards in major cities. 
These QR codes, originally linked to a creative competition, were covertly redirected to the Russia Without Putin website. The billboards, bearing non-political messages like Happy New Year, Russia, aim to subtly encourage people to vote against Putin in the upcoming March election. This digital approach, including a Telegram bot disseminating anti-Putin content, is a response to the ban on open anti-regime rallies in Russia. Authorities in St. Petersburg and Moscow have started removing the billboards. Navalny's team acknowledges the likelihood of election result manipulation by Putin, but asserts their goal is to highlight the nation's desire for change. The campaign's effectiveness and impact remain uncertain, especially considering Russia's history of penalizing online dissent. So, in Russia, billboards don't just sell products, they host revolutions. One QR scan at a time. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Be sure to check out this weekend's Research Saturday and my conversation with Dana Belling, researcher at Carbon Black, sharing their work on hunting vulnerable kernel drivers. That's Research Saturday. Check it out. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Iben and Brandon Karp. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber.